Welcome to another VRL USA podcast. This is Alan, and I'm joined by Robin in, um, in well, you're in York, right? In, in the UK, I keep forgetting. And we welcome Rahul um, for the first time on here. And um, he had a very nice article um, on the site, his, his maiden voyage there as well. Um, so I'm going to start by quickly asking Rahul to tell us a little bit about himself. All right. Um, thanks for having me on. I'm Rahul. I'm from London. I am an Arsenal season ticket holder, but I followed Villarreal closely for about five or six seasons now. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at La Liga London. Um, I am a big fan of La Liga. I follow the entire league, um, not just the big three clubs. And yeah, it was Villarreal's attractive football, I guess, in about... 11, 12-ish, that made me start paying attention to them. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I ended up just following them as kind of a second team. Um, but, yeah, and I've watched the last... Well, I've watched most games when I can. I've watched both games this season. And you can find my work on the Villarreal USA website where I've analysed the last performance against Ibar. Oh, sounds great. And I can... And I can tell you, um, we didn't keep it on because the, it degrades the quality, but uh, Rahul is sitting here in a, in a Virial jersey. Um, so no, no question that he's, that he's in the right place. Um, so yeah, we, we um, have now gone through two matches of the season with um, Emery in charge. And um, Robin, what... What stood out? What's standing out as far as what's different compared to last season or last two seasons under Kaleha, and what's the same? I think for, for me, it's um, definitely a more direct look at football. So it's not sort of focusing on the wingers and them doing their kind of crossing ability and just kind of doing everything we can to get them box. It's a lot more direct approach on that box itself. So it's more cutting inside and and sort of tackling the box rather than kind of just looking for the open play and the quick one-two and stuff and forcing people onto the wing. But yeah, no, I, I definitely, I, I like it. Uh, you can see the difference in it. I'll be honest, it's not, never really been my cup of tea in terms of like, for me, a left back and a right back should be staying at the back and I'm an old school defender sort of, it's sort of way of things. But then I think we can, I can, I can embrace the new system, I think. Um <laughs> But yeah, what do you think, Alan? Well, I, I think you're speaking like a true Englishman. <laughs> um, I, I didn't get to see the, the, the last match. I saw some of the highlights. But yeah, it feels as though um, there is an attempt to be a little more direct. Um, I, just, I just think that, as we've said um, in the lead-in to the season... The fact that we've had a really short preseason means that you're sort of doing a lot of experimenting in, in the first couple of weeks of practice and on the pitch to really figure out what works well. Um, Rahul, you, as an Arsenal fan, you um, you enjoyed, I use the term loosely, um, Emery's um, <laughs> sides in London. So how would you, is he... Is he imposing a style of his on the team? Is he kind of working? How do you see what's going on? Well, the main thing I noticed at 
Arsenal watching Emery's football is that he's a very reactive manager. He often looks at the opponent's strengths and kind of builds a team to counter opponents specifically rather than imposing his own style of play on the team. Mm-hmm. And that was a big difference between him and Arsene Wenger. Wenger obviously was a bit, he was complete opposite in that regard. He'd impose his own style without really looking at the opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why a lot of the time Emery would always change his team selections up. Every single game he'd throw span it into the works. He'd change the formation, change whoever's up front. Um, and that's something different to what we've seen in the last two games. He's only made one change in the lineup against Ibar compared to what was the lineup against Huesca. And that was forced. That was Mario Gaspar coming in for Ruben Pena. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and him keeping the same 4-4-2 formation is interesting. I'm not sure if he wants to build with that going forward or whether he's doing it just to kind of shoehorn Gerard Moreno and Paco into the same team to get the, two, to get the most goal threat. Um, but yeah, so far, I think the game against Huesca, I was a bit disappointed in how the team played. But then with the game against Ibar, I was quite encouraged by what I saw. It was a much, much improved performance. Mm-hmm. And I and I know I know Zach, who may be able to get on here later, would point out that our um, I think our expected goals were like what three against against Ibar. So you know we it's an interesting question though in terms of formation because we had expected I don't think we had expected to see the four four two in two straight matches, have we, Robin? Had you? Yeah, it definitely surprised me straight away because we were. I remember when we were talking about it when he first arrived, we were looking at kind of all kinds of stuff like uh, like four three three or four. I'm going to get it right two three one. Um, right, and it was just kind of like it, it, I think that was one of the biggest um, kind of worries, I suppose, for most VRL fans to see that kind of stuff because we've in the in the past and Kayeka was definitely doing this. We were trying to change it up formation to kind of adapt to all the new modern styles. I think we even have three at the back at one point. And it just kind of never really suited us. I think four four two has just kind of been grilled into us and it's so good. And I think I said on one of the comments you look at Moy Gomez and he's he's groomed on that four four two, that winger kind of style. But then we might also see this kind of good adaptability from him to play more direct football and adapts this four three three. So it's gonna be exciting, it really is. But um yeah, I like it. It's good to go, and um, we'll see what happens with it. Um, do, do you do you do you think we're going to end up with a, a change of formation again halfway through the season, or do you think he's going to adapt to this four two three one? So I'm um, probably get my formation wrong, but yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. um, well, Emery in the past is a lot of the time favoured a four two three one, and so I kind of was expecting him to start off with that. But maybe he is just assessing the players in his squad and realising two of the best quality players are the two strikers. And maybe to get off to a good start, he wants to play them in their best positions rather than trying to, say, force Gerard wide or benching one of them even. Mm-hmm. Um, so as the season goes on, I can definitely see a formation change at some point when one of the strikers needs a rest or if one doesn't hit top form. And you might want to get an extra midfielder in there. Say Kubo, for example, you can play him as number 10 or second striker. Um, you can also get another centre mid. You can get Trigueros and maybe play Parejo further forward or even go to a 4-3-3. 
So I think there's a good amount of adaptability within the squad in terms of the player profiles. And Emery, as an adaptive manager, I think we will definitely see a change as the season goes on. I can't see it staying 4-4-2 throughout the season. But so far, yeah, as um, Alan said, the XG against uh, Ibar was about 3. It was, I think, 2.99. And that was very encouraging. Uh, Despite being caught offside a lot of times, both Gerard and uh, Chukwueze actually managed to create a fair few scoring opportunities. And on a different day, the scoreline could have been 3-4-1 even. It was quite a good performance. Mm-hmm. I, I think that certainly I'm, I wouldn't read too much into two matches in terms of having the same formation both way, both times. I think, as Robin said, as a, as a sort of a default, I think most of our squad is pretty much raised in the 4-4-2. Um, and it's interesting that so far... As as you said, Rahul, we really haven't had many. We've only had one forced change in the starting lineup, and I think that might we we might see more. I, I think we'll see more changes there. Um, a couple of of the players you mentioned. I mean, Trigueros particularly hasn't really found a place to to play under Emery yet, and so I think a fair question has got to be. As we go through the season, how are we going to use players like him? Will we see Cocala and Parejo, um, one of them but not the other? Um, th- those sorts of questions. Um, it feels to me as though we it's very much like we've given Emery um, the keys to a to a uh, to a new to a, a a new car, and he's and he's figuring out how to tinker with it to get the most from it. And I think the fact that the preseason was so short, and we're still in the middle of transfer market, um, has made it really difficult. I mean, the fact that you know you haven't been able to have your normal preseason training and everything has made it has it means that we're we are doing a lot of tinkering as we go. I think, but Emory is always known as a tinkerer anyway. Yes. Tinkerer is a great word to describe Unai Emery. Yeah. Well, I will say when he when he coached Valencia he uh, and, and Sevilla, I mean, he really, when, when we played them, he really had us figured out. And uh, in fact, I seem to remember after one match where he basically said that he said you know i know how to, you know i know how to play against Villarreal. I've, I've got that down now and he pretty much did <laughs> so i'm glad to see him on our side well yeah he's, what what do you think of how so i think the main for me the main difference between the two matches and i think everyone every single commentator agreed on this and that doesn't happen very often <laughs> was that on that on that left wing, we suddenly saw a more attacking, attacking threat. So in the first first game, what we had, we had like Paul Torres was playing the long ball over to Chiquese and everything was going towards Chiquese. Mm-hmm. And though everyone was practically ignoring that left hand side, and to be fair, like there was a lot of criticism, I suppose, from Mo- about Moy and Pedraza in that first game, but there was absolutely no support coming. None of the playmaking, nothing was going through onto that left wing. So I can kind of understand why it was a bit quiet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, people do target Chiquese and other teams know that we tar- that, that Chiquese is what we target. So it's kind of a bit predictable. So I think in the second game, what they tried to do was kind of open up that left wing. And it was, it was fantastic. You know, we, 
that that um, I thought Moy had an absolutely brilliant game. If anything, I thought he was better than Chiquese, but again, that's probably one of my unpopular opinions. Um, but what, what did you lot think was the main difference? I know Alan, you didn't see it, but um, what, what do you think was the main difference based on the highlights between the two games? Yeah, I think the yeah. I think the I think clearly on the first match, the thing that stuck out for all of us was how right sided we were and how little we offered going forward. Um, I don't know, Rahul could probably comment since he saw all of, of the second match on what he what he thought was different. Was it just that we were sort of targeting Moy more? Did he find, did he, was he able to get into spaces? Because the first match, it just seemed like he didn't have a good play. He and Pedraza kept sort of running over each other, I thought. Um, yeah, I think the performance of Moy in the second match was in fact very very good I agree um, st- still a lot went through Chiquese I think it, the difference is on that right hand side Gerard um, often drops in and swaps kind of positions with Chiquese he links up with him well there whereas Paco kind of stays further forward he doesn't really drop into that left wing uh, Moy is a bit more he's on his own there mm-hmm. Um and to be honest, with Pedrasa, I've not really been impressed in these two games. But I was really impressed by the new boy, um, Estupinian. When he came on, he was brilliant. He was excellent going forward. And he also showed that last season when he was on loan at Osasuna. He was, I'd say he's one of the best left-backs in the division last season, especially going forward. He got something like six or seven, I can't remember off the top of my head, assists. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, that's something I think, he, if he can create a good kind of understanding with Moy in terms of when he overlaps, when Moy drops down, drops deeper, um, then I think that left side can become quite lethal. Yes, I, I was going to, to ask, to say we, we should talk about Estepinian um, on, the, on the left, and this is a good time to do it. I'm, I thought he was one of the best left backs in the league last year also, and when we signed him, I was... You know, I was really excited because I think he's a great signing for us, and especially signing for seven years or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I think that Pedraza is an interesting character because he is—he has incredible yes. talent, no doubt about no it. Doubt about but finding but out fight. where you're going to play him is yes. has always been the problem. Um, so I think with Estepinion slotting in at the left back, giving Pedraza can be a little can be an option further forward. That might work out better for him. I know we always tried to play him at left back, and it just seemed that that really wasn't his best position. He he's he's offers a lot going forward, but he's his turning radius is so wide that he gets caught out a lot on on counterattacks and I just think he'll be much better up top um, so I, I Estepinion to me the fact that I love the replay of, of the of our um, goal where he just you know he makes this sort of cross into into uh, space and just sort of stands there watching and like oh great goal <laughs> so. um, yeah I, I agree with that I think Pedrosa he's played on a left wing before he's played a left wing back he's covered that whole left side in his career before mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. think um, he still can be very useful in that sense if Emery wants to switch to a three at the back he could become a very good left wing back 
or even have both Estupinian and Pedrasa on that side. Maybe in a big game, say if you're playing Real Madrid away or something, just to have a bit more protection than uh, Moy Gomez would offer. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think in his first two games at a left back, like in the first game against Huesca, he was, I th- I'd say, wildly out of position for their opening goal. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, yeah, can be improved on. And so I would like to see Esther Pinyan come in, maybe not immediately, maybe Emery wants to ease him in. I suppose Barcelona away is not the best time to give someone their debut. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's a change we might possibly see in the next few weeks is he will come in as a regular. And same on the right-hand side, even though Mario Gaspar is not really, he, I don't know, he's not hit his usual heights in the last season or so. But yet the other day, I was very impressed with the way he was going forward. He was linking up that whole right-hand side with him, Chukwese and then Gerard. Um, I was really, really impressed with. And he was actually one of our top chance creators, I said in my article, um, so Ruben Pena has a lot of work to do when he comes back from injury. He's got, he's got a good amount of competition there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to add. Yeah, I, I, I would, I'm going to kind of counter that slightly in the sense that, so for, because I, I feel like I'm probably the only one that saw it this way, so I'm probably wrong. Um, so, <laughs> but his, for Pedrasa for his first goal, I, I think, for, for that game in the first match, I actually thought it was actually beautiful play by by Ibar themselves. Sorry, I get my teams at Huesca. Um, that that kind of that be- they made a beautiful move, which practically dragged all of our defence. Everyone was kind of playing, so you had basically Raúl Albiol and Gaspar at right back, and then you had Pau Torres at LCB, and then Pedrasa was basically covering centre back and left back. So for me, yes, he, he did pull himself out of position, but I think it was also a fault of kind of Raul Albiol and everyone for kind of just being all, everyone driven to that position. Because if you check, yeah. it kind of that midfield bit where the ball came through should have been Coquelin and he, he wasn't there. But to be honest, like, it, it's fine, you know, like it, it's, it's a tricky thing to do. And like I said, I think Pedrasa did rashly go too far across with everyone else, but... Um, I, I don't think he's completely responsible for himself, but anyway, it, it doesn't matter anyway. So, um, mm. and I, but I agree on the Mario Gaspar front, and I think I think what's different probably for em, under Gaspar under Emery and Gaspar under Kayeka is that Gaspar seems to suit those kind of dynamic high managers. And I'm thinking of Marcelino when when Gaspar had his best years under Marcelino because he was absolutely bombing down the right hand side. He was. The, probably the fittest I've ever seen, and, and Miral will remember that he scored against England on his debut and scored an absolutely fantastic, oh, yeah. fantastic, yeah, goal. yeah, yeah. So, I, in a weird way, I hope that he doesn't get the form again and plays to Spain and scores against England in the possible Euros. Yeah. We'll get to that again, but um, I'd be great to see him there. And I think he, he, Emery will really suit Gasper. And I think, yes, the last few seasons Gasper has not been the same player that we saw under Marcelino and I think Emery will probably get the best out of Gaspar and plus we've always dreamed of Gaspar being a centre-back one day so maybe that might happen right so uh, I, want, I don't know um, yeah so Zach uh, has joined us so I wanted to ask him real quick before we take a break and move on to the next topic um Kind of your impressions of the difference of Emery's style in two matches versus Calleja over the last couple of years? Um, I, I think it's really weird that we've stayed 
really would have brought me you're, you're, uh, break, you're, you're breaking up. I'm, I'm not. Hey, how, how am I doing now? That's better. Okay. Okay. Um, I really am surprised that he stayed with a 4-4-2. I really would have expected a single striker formation. Um, but just the sheer control we've had in the last two matches, I think we had like 65% possession in one and 59% possession in, in another. And what we've gotten to do more with that possession, um, but just that, that control of the game and not just looking at midfield turnovers so we can get a quick goal, um, I think has been the biggest difference so far. And I'm really interested to see if we can have that kind of control against a team like Barcelona this weekend. Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, we're, you're still you're still uh, not a great connection, Zach, but but not bad. And I will tell you that your your point is exactly what uh, everybody else said. We were surprised at the four four two. I want to take a quick break, and then when we come back, I want to talk about a couple of players in particular that we've been discussing in terms of how they're doing. Should we expect more for them, whatnot? So, a brief break, and then I'll be we'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so now that we've got um, all of Zach and Robin and Rahul here, um, so players that have that have let's say been a little disappointing in the first two matches. I guess the first one that has gotten some discussion is is Donny Parejo, and is that is that fair? Um, should we be expecting more from him this early? Are we? Were we maybe expecting something from him that is different? I mean, uh, we clearly are all have memories of, of Santi Cazorla, and, and Danny is a different player. So what do people think about his performance so far? Um, so far, I think he's been all right. I wouldn't say he's been amazing. And I'd say... Criticism of him it, right now is a bit harsh because it is only two games. But when you do sign a player who, in his last ten years in that league, has just been unbelievably good, playing in the same formation four four two that used to play at Valencia in the same city with the same midfield partner in Coquelin, you kind of expect him to hit the ground running rather than take a lot of time to adapt. But I say he's been all right. Um, one thing I did notice was in Huesca's goal, he got he mm-hmm. got caught out badly mm-hmm. in the build-up. To be fair, it was a very very nice play by Huesca, but yeah, they bypassed midfield, bypassed him in midfield quite easily. But I'd say there's been some very encouraging signs from his performances, and I'm not too concerned right now. We've all seen the quality he can produce. I think it is a lot of it is the case that I think he's slightly less creative than what Cazorla used to be. And Cazorla last season was 
I my controversial opinion is that that was his best season. Mm-hmm. Some of the mm-hmm. some of the football he was playing was ridiculously good, and obviously we haven't seen that kind of creative spot from Pereira yet. So yeah, it's a mixed bag. I'd say I'd give him six out of ten for the first two games, but I'm not concerned at all that he will eventually find his form. Robin. I will go in the over-optimistic, usual Robin preseason <laughs> uh, stuff. I, I, I really, really like him as a player, and I think his his role in this squad is it's not going to be the sanity taking on players and and doing that. He he will quietly be a player who will. I think it's kind of like a, he plays a slightly more defensive role than we're we're, we're used to. It's kind of like a Coughlin under Marcelino is a kind of more. You know, these two do their defending, they cover midfield, they're not pushing forward and pressing too much, and then you let in those wingers do all, all the damage on the on the right and the left hand side. I, I think he's gonna be one of those undiscovered heroes or one of those unnoticed heroes, like it's a different position to Sergio Busquets, but that C D M role and he is I, I know we've argued this in the past, he's like a mid centre midfielder, not a CDM, but I think he's playing that role of kind of, you know, Fabregas at the back, playing those key balls over top and not being noticed and then doing these kind of hard tackles in midfield alongside Coughlin and they kind of they progress together up and then they drop back but they're not we're not going to be seeing this kind of centre attacking mid role like Kubo or or Santi Gazzola was so I think the comparisons between Pareco and Gazzola would be slightly slightly unfair on Pareco because well we we've argued this quite a lot but they are very very different players really mm-hmm. um but I'm excited to see him do so I I I'd rate him quite highly right. in what he did in some of the preseason games I thought he was one of the better players um, but then maybe we're also kind of used to kind of, you know, Zambo would be charging runs for that. Even if Bora charged forward more than possibly Dano Pareko mm-hmm. would have done. So, I, you know, it's, it's a different squad, different kind of midfield. So I'd, I'm, I'm not going to judge him too harshly, but I am excited that he's here and I think he's brilliant. Um, but yeah, on, on to Zach. Yep. <laughs> well, I, I've got a full... Eight nine hundred word thing on the website breaking down his first two games, so I'm not going to go into it too much here because at the end of the day, I want people to go click on the website. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, you know, against Huesca, uh, Parejo had like 105 touches. I mean, he was literally in the middle of everything. Um, against Ibar, it was a game that was played a little bit more on the wings uh, by both teams, um, so he wasn't quite as involved. Uh, but I mean, as has been said already, if you're expecting, if you were expecting him to show up and be Santi Gazorla, you haven't been paying attention to him playing for Valencia. That's just not who he is as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, I, to me, I don't care. I don't really care if he has a goal or an assist all year long um, because that's not what he does. Um, I would really like to see him with a little bit better passer next to him, maybe with a Trigueros next to him. Um, but I've been very pleased with his first two matches. We haven't seen that that total dominance showing yet, uh, but, but to me, he's matched my expectations and been very good in the first two games. Right, and I, I think that's a good that's a good point that the, the question that we and and I I guess I pose this a lot because I'm a big fan of Trigueros always have been is um, you know is ultimately having him in there as a passer um, with Parejo might be the might be the next change that I would see um, 
Emory making. Um, I think the the criticism I have of of Parejo and Coquelin, I guess, and it's not a severe criticism, but I think they've been more similar than typically when we play in the four four two with the double pivot. We have somebody who's definitely defensive and somebody who's definitely the passer. That's my take on it. Well, and Parejo's definitely been the passer. Um, the, the, the trouble is that the way our four four two is playing. Um, um, oh, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say his main his main role as a passer has been so far to get the ball back out to the wings. He, he's hit like twenty three out of twenty four of his long passes in the in the first two matches, and almost all of them have been switches of play where mm-hmm. he receives the ball and kicks it out to a wing on the opposite side, and that's good. Uh, but that's just not going to result in him being the guy that does the offensive work. I think if you're going to play him with Chirgueros, the best thing to do would be to switch to a 4-3-3, play either Kokolon or Ibora down beneath them, and then let Parejo kind of be that go-between between the defense and the offense and let Chirgueros be the guy actually making the final ball. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I think, actually, that is also down to Emery himself. At Arsenal, he... He put a lot of creativity to both the fullbacks and the wingers. He took it kind of away from the centre, so Arsenal weren't happy. Arsenal fans weren't happy with that, having watched creative midfielders for mm-hmm. 22 years. Um, and I think he's doing the same here. So Pereira's role, kind of, on Emery will be to get the ball up the pitch to the likes of Chukwueze to maybe an overlapping fullback, and then let them do the creating. So in terms of his performances, they've been fine. It's just a question of his role. Um, on Cockland, he's always a, he's been a player who is good, but at what he does, but limited in the sense that his passing range isn't the best. He's at his best when he's next to a Cazorla type, and I can see him doing well next to Parejo because Parejo is a good passer. But four-three-three um, actually could suit the midfield. Get another pass and Trigueros in there, and you suddenly see more creativity from the centre of the pitch. But as, as it stands in a four four two, I'd say Pereira's role as yeah, as Zach said, to get it wide kind of and bring it up the pitch. He's doing that fine, and um, that's what you you're not going to see Santi Cazorla type performances where he's pulling out the flicks, he's pulling out the incredible pass like pass assists. He's just doing his job, shuttling in midfield kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I I like the idea of four three three. Sorry, I'm echoing. Stop. Stop. Yeah. Four three three. I like it, and this pretty open up quite a good debate. Is I would have Togueros and Pareko in front, and I would have Coquelin behind. And I know there's going to be this debate between Abora or Coquelin, but for that CDM role and Castigros and Kante role, having them behind those two attacking players means that those. Those two players, Trigueros and Pareko, can do their thing in attacking in those through balls. And you will see the best out of Alcacer and Gerard if we have two playmakers of that quality being allowed to do their thing there and having just Coquelin just running around like a madman behind them, just intercepting all those balls. And the short passes to Trigueros and Pareko for them to be a more direct team. Um, but yeah, 
it's an interesting debate. So, do you, would you prefer, say, so say we went to 4-3-3, would you prefer if we had Coughlin or Abora behind them? Probably best to start with Alan on this one and then we'll <laughs> open up to the rest. What do you think, Alan? Well, good question. I, I, tend, to, I tend to prefer Coquelin, and I, and I think that's largely because I think I think Ibora is going to roam around more than we would like him to do in that situation. I mean, the way you're describing it, it sounds like an ideal um, fit for Coquelin because he's, because he's, as Rahul said, he's very good at what he does, he's, but, but what he does is a, is a limited subset of things. But if you put him in that, in that central defensive midfield position behind two really good passers, all he really needs to do is... Um, you know, win the ball back and then uh, pass it to one of those guys who goes and does his thing. It kind of reminds me a bit of um, how Marcelino used Tomas Pina when when uh, he was with us. That you know he was not he was a pretty limited player, but he was asked to do one thing. And Kokonai is a better player than 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 Pina was. So, when, when, when you compare the two, you know, I, I think they're pretty interchangeable. I don't have strong feelings one way or the other between Cochran and, and Bora. But I would say that it's worth noting, neither one of them pressure very much at all. Um, they, they have basically identical uh, interception numbers, and, and uh, Ibora actually wins more tackles and wins a higher percentage of his tackles. Um, but to me, uh, the reason why between the two head-to-head I prefer Ibora is Ibora is dispossessed um, way, way less often than Kokolan is. Mm. I mean, in fact, it's like less than half as often per 90 minutes. Um, so to me, if you're going to put one of them at the base of a 4-3-3, I want Ibora in there just because I know he's going to take care of the ball. Fair enough. Anybody else want to weigh in on that one? Um, I think Ibora... Um, um, yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, go on, you go. It's fine. <laughs> I'm British as well, so I'll I was going to say, that's, there's too much politeness going on here. One of you. <laughs> After you, my friend. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Ibora is a player who has played under Unai Emery before at Sevilla. Um, and I think he's really useful in a sense that he's massive. He's, like, he's imposing on the pitch. And not only could that be useful for both defending and attacking set pieces, but I suppose in a big game, if he's asked to kind of play a more defensive role in a 4-3-3, he could provide, I think he could shield the defence a bit better than Cochrane can. But it just depends on the game, because Cochrane, I'd say, is more mobile. He's good with the ball at his feet. Um, so it does depend on the game. I think maybe in a big away game, you want more strength in there, and you'd go for Ibora. If not, then you kind of want Cochrane in there. But I think both are interchangeable. Both are very decent players, mm-hmm. um, and it'd be interesting to see where Ibora fits in because both starts so far have been Cochrane. Mm-hmm. Okay, Robin, you've been so kind. You may now, you may now take your turn. <laughs> I well, thank you very much for offering me this opportunity, Alan. To, <laughs> <laughs> I decided to very British. Um, yes. What was I say? I would, yeah, no. I so I agree. I 
I think they both offer something something different in the role. And like I said, I think the phys- like Rose did. I think the physicality it would be fantastic having those him behind there. He is solid as a rock, and he is really really good. My problem with Ibora, and I had this problem with him last season, is he tends to play it backwards too much. So he's like Jordan Henderson; he'll play it in a very short pass to the defence, and I put I think that puts it at risk when we've got a very very attacking side. You know, those players that sort of just jump on him. And that's what we found last season with Ibora. When we asked him to play the CDM role, he couldn't do it, nor could Zambo. And I'm I'm worried about having there. But then I suppose this season we have Pareko in front, who is a bit more defensive minded and provide. You know, even Trigueros, to be fair, is pretty defensive and solid, mm-hmm. uh, keeping the ball. So yeah, I, I'm in two minds about it. But I, I just get really frustrated when I see Abora playing those short passes. He just reminds me of Jordan Henderson at Liverpool, and it just doesn't go anywhere or England as well. And it's just frustrating because I think Coquelin's better at suddenly turning it very quick into an attack than Abora is, but I don't know. We haven't seen enough of them. I mean, it'd be interesting to compare. Imagine if we played Abora and Coquelin in the same game and then, then we could probably have a proper insight into it. Um, but yeah, yeah, Alan, what do you think? Well, as I say, I think, I think, it's, I think the thing I would say is that clearly, as, as Rahul pointed out at the very beginning, Emery likes to ha- likes to change um, what he the players that he uses com- depending on who we're playing and what style we think the opposition is going to do. So I think having the two of them is 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 a they are largely interchangeable. I I do understand that you know Ibora is taller, more more physically imposing, and in some matches that may be good. Um, I think I I think it really is. I don't think there's a clear answer there. Um, I want to I want to ask one other thing. We'll get your opinion on, on one other um, situation, which which is something we keep talking about, which is which is uh, Paco Alcacer, and you know he he had what 18 touches against against Aibar. Uh, now, granted, one of them was a really fine goal. Um, are we? Should we expect to see any difference in as long as we're playing with two strikers? Um, is, is he going to be essentially sort of isolated most of the time? <laughs> is that is that basically what we're going to get from him? And and is that okay? I guess there seems to be some debate about that. And I admit I'm one of the people who is like I, I love Gerard because he shuttles all over the place. I've never been a fan of the. Um, of the guys who are just good at scoring goals and not much else, but clearly Paco is one of those. So, um, and it, I, I wanted to take lead on this first of all, just so I can drop in a uh, statistic that backs up Robin's point. Uh, he was talking about Ibora and Cocolon. Cocolon actually averaged fewer pass attempts than Ibora last season. 90 minutes, but he averaged more progressive distance, which means that much more of his passing was going forward and coming mm-hmm. ground towards goal. Um, so I think that backs up what Robin was saying very well. Um, but but just to to the thing with the thing with Paco is to me, if you're going to run two strikers up top, um, one of the two of them has to occupy. Uh, the center backs and and you know you see a team like um, since they're apparently fun to watch now you see a team like Everton and the way that they're running uh, with with Carlo Ancelotti um, you know last year they ran a lot of 
Uh, Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin both up top. And Richarlison would drop back into possession and receive the ball and press a lot. And Calvert-Lewin would basically hold the center backs in position. Um, and in our 4-4-2, you see our two guys doing something similar um, where Paco's the one that's holding uh, the center backs so the center backs can't just drive up high. And... Um, and you see Gerard is the one who drops back into position. The big difference is, is that someone like Dominic Calvert-Lewin is dominant in the air and Paco isn't. Mm-hmm. So I think part of the reason why Paco is getting isolated is because he's not a guy that we can just lob a ball into and he go get a header. Um, so we have to come up with uh, what I think are more transitional ways of getting him the ball. Um, but I, he's just, he's such... He's such a good finisher he is, that if yeah. we're going to run a, 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 a two-man front line, I feel like he has to start. Now, if we switch to a, a single striker formation, I think because we have both Kubo and Chiquese, we can't really just slide Gerard over to the right, and that would be fine with benching Paco in that situation. But as long as we're running two up top, he's such a good finisher. I, I said in my article about that he scores uh, one goal for every five shots that he takes and has for his whole career. Well, he scored one goal in four shots so far this year. And that kind of conversion rate is elite. You don't get it very often. And and so I think you've got to have it on the pitch. Yeah, and I think it's, in fairness, it's that match against Wesco, you know, that, that uh, goal that was ruled off for marginal offside – um, if he if that had been allowed, we we'd be um, have a, be having a much different conversation. I mean, I think I think it's it's been unfortunate that he's been caught off caught offside a lot. I think that obviously affects his, his statistics. But um, I don't know, Rahul. What do you what do you think so far about Paco? Um, I agree. He's a he's an elite finisher. Like out. Last season in Dortmund, when he scored 18 in 26 in very few minutes, it was unbelievable. And throughout his career, he's always been a really, really good finisher. He is limited in the sense that he's not dominant in the air, nor is he rapid. But Mm -hmm. I feel like he's quick enough that he can compensate for his lack of aerial ability. And in the front, too, he is perfectly suited for Gerrard to kind of do the kind of build up work, kind of drop deep and Paco just to get into his goal scoring position and fire off. If we were to switch to a four two three one, then he would be the striker I'd bench. Gerard offers more mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. overall. But then he's so useful off the bench. That was kind of the role he was playing for Dortmund as well, was he just come off the bench and score a few late goals. And that can be a really, really useful tool to have. Say if we're struggling to break down a deep block like something like Getafe he would be so useful to them bring off the bench against tired legs and get into their scoring positions I don't necessarily think he needs to do anything outside of the box because he's never been that kind of player and Gerard is that kind of player who would do that anyway I don't think it is a problem that he is kind of effectively a poacher and I think it's a compliment to him that he will end up scoring goals this season I think he will I hope he can score 10, 15 La Liga goals. I think that'd be a decent return. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I can definitely see, I wouldn't even mind him being benched occasionally if he wants to switch one striker or rotated in and out. But having him around, 
on the pitch, just get the ball to him and you'll probably score. He is very, very good in that regard. Right. And I think that, I think the tough thing is, as, as you both said, that since he's not great in the air and he's not a, um, uh, an Akambi, you know, or, or Bakambu speedy guy, you've got to, you've got to, um, getting the ball to him is, is a little tougher, but, but when you do, you're right. He's he's lethal. Robin, any any uh, thoughts on from your side? Yeah, so I I was definitely, and I own, I confess I was I am cynical about him, and I, I am worried. Not cynical, but I'm worried about him, and that's it's not necessarily just as a player as he was, and it is. His, his body language doesn't look there for me. He doesn't look. He seems to be lacking confidence. And I think someone said that Emery is very, very good psychologically. But I'm, I'm hoping, and I'm crossing my thing that he will, he will do really well, and will get the great return. And I, you know, I'm open to it because he has had a great history of things. I, I do worry, and possibly we might have been comparing him when we, you know, when Zach's article came out. We are comparing him to Gerard. They are very different. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I prefer, like, my preference is having a striker that drops back and does all that. So if they lose the ball, they're going running after it. I mean, you saw Jared, he was practically in our own box if he lost the ball. Um, whereas Alcacid, like you said, his role is to stay up there and be there. But I think he needs to be a bit more active in that role right up there as well. So, yes, he does need to occupy the centre-backs, but he has to sort of move around a bit and do a bit more energy to kind of move them around Lots of time you see him just standing there, kind of waiting for the ball. He needs to be making those runs and being ready for the ball. I mean, he was caught offside quite a few times, wasn't he? I know it was very marginal that that goal and stuff, but mm-hmm. and they played a very high line, to be fair. So I mean, to Moy, everyone got sent caught out at least once. But I, I want to see him do a bit more on the pitch, and that that might be a bit cynical comparing him to Gerard and stuff, but. Even as that up-top striker, I need to see him moving around a bit. I need a bit more confidence and body language. And that will come if he scores more goals. So, um, Yeah, I, I think I've, I will definitely judge him at the end of the season and I'll try and hold back from the kind of cynicalism now. Um, but yeah, what do you think, Alan? Where, where are you standing yeah, on this you one? You make a good point. And I think, I think you and I are both pretty similar in terms of how we view strikers. I mean, I, I am, as I said, I'm not a big... I. I'm always going to gravitate more towards a guy like Gerard, who who is just you know working really hard at both ends of the of the pitch. To, um, but I think you're right that it's fine for Paco to, to to say, okay, your job is to occupy the center backs. But I would like to see a little more. I would like to see more movement off the ball from him, or more more movement to, and and this will come with with time. I think, given all the changes we've had in the squad and the fact that he only joined the team in January and then we had the whole um, uh, shutdown and, and and restart and everything. But I think he's got to figure out how how to get in better positions to get more passes because I think if we if we can involve him a little more, yes, he's, a, he's an incredible finisher. Um, I think it was probably difficult for him... If you remember when Gerard came in the first year, we were wondering what was going on. But it's it's tough to come into a team like Villarreal, where we haven't historically paid those sorts of sums of money, and I think you put a lot of pressure on yourself. And I'm hoping that, as Robin said, Emery can can really help Paco um, feel better about about. Uh, 
about things and, and that he'll have a really good season. I think certainly um, we saw Gerard in year two was so much different from year one. And I, and, uh, I think hopefully we'll see that with Paco as well. I guess we should wrap up by talking quickly about Barcelona, shouldn't we, since we're playing on uh, Sunday. So let, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I do want to get everybody just maybe a quick reaction on sort of what, what formation and team and will we see the same 11 or what substitutions will we make and maybe a quick prediction on score and we'll wrap it up then. So I'm going to start with, um, I'm going to start with Robin this time because he was so polite before. So. <laughs> I can assure you, I'm not going to be polite about Barcelona. I know um, you won't. <laughs> I should point out uh, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm a massive anti-Barcelona fan. I think they're the biggest cheats in football. Um, but, so I should start positively. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to level up them because I don't understand how Barcelona are at the moment, to be honest with you. It's, it's going to be their first game of the season, so I think we are going to be very wary of them. And then I think we'll see through them that they're, they're, they're not the team that they were last season. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. So I, I would like to think that we start with a 4-4-2 solid. I, I suspect that some of what we've been talking about earlier, that maybe we will have a Bora in the middle rather than Coquelin in this game. Um, so I think we'll stick with a 4-4-2, and I think you'll see the best. Play. I think playing Barcelona somehow always brings out the best in our players. So it always, you know, those kind of young players that are really, really enthusiastic to kind of shine in front of Barcelona, you know, up for the challenge. I think we'll see the best out of Samu because he's done really well against Barcelona in the past. Um, so I'm going to, if I go over prediction, I would say 2-1 Villarreal. Uh, and Barcelona will get an iffy penalty from VAR and cheat their way through it, and it'll be last minute, and probably Messi will annoy me at the end of the game. So I'm, I'm going to go with that. That's not really the answer you're probably expecting, but yeah, uh, that's my outlook to Barcelona this weekend. Okay. So, Rahul, you want to follow, you want to follow that? Um, yeah, so I can't see the reason to make too many changes now because an advantage Villarreal have over Barcelona is that this is Barcelona's first game. Um, they've had a shorter preseason thanks to their European commitments, which included getting smashed 8-2. Um, <laughs> and so I think go with a similar team to what um, was played against Ibar, I'd say maybe give Estepinian his debut. I'm very happy to throw him in. Because although he'd be playing against Lionel Messi, um, going forward, they're pretty re weak on that right-hand side, I think. Uh, Nelson Semino's about to go to Wolverhampton, mm -hmm. and so it might be Sergio Roberto right back. I don't know if they'll sign someone before the game. Um, but, yeah, I think he can, going forward, he can do some damage on that right-hand side. But if uh, Pedraza stays in, I don't mind either, because making your first start against Lionel Messi is not ideal. And I'd say as a prediction for the game, it's Ronald Koeman's first game as well. He's a manager I don't really rate that highly based on his time at Everton. Uh, um, I'm going to say 1-1. I'll be kind of pessimistic here. I don't see... I, I'd be more than happy to be proved wrong. I don't see Villarreal winning, but this is the weakest Barcelona I've ever looked in my lifetime, in my opinion. And if there's ever a time for them to beat them, it's now. But I'm going to predict 1-1. Zach? Um, I, I would definitely start Estepinion as the as the left back this week. Uh, otherwise, I'd pretty much leave it alone. 
Um, Copeland's extra mobility probably does come in hand, handy a little bit against Barcelona. Uh, the thing jumping out at me is that Barcelona, amongst their all their other issues, like as mentioned, they don't really they may not have their right back. You know, they're they're a mess in the front office. They've lost a couple of key midfielders, but they don't have a real striker to play against us. Uh, the front three that we're probably looking at against Barcelona. Uh, is probably Fati, uh, Messi, and Griezmann, and they, and and there's not a single central striker in that whole lot. So I don't even really think Messi's going to spend much time on the right uh, because I think he's going to have to be, you know, the driving force behind behind everything else they do offensively. And I think he's going to have to drop de- deep and drop centrally. Um, so if we can. Um, if we can hold that, I mean, if we can, if we can keep, as long as Lionel Messi doesn't have just one of those stupid moments of brilliance that like nobody can do anything about, mm-hmm. I think we should be able to keep a clean sheet in this game because I don't think Barcelona has a coherent front three. Um, so, I, you know, I I think then if you put Estepinion out there and he gets to go against a Sergio Roberto at left back, there's a chance to create something off that left side, and Villarreal takes a one-zero win. Okay, well, I'm I'm gonna be it's uh, okay. I'm gonna be pessimistic in the following sense, but I think I remember we've been in situations like this against Barcelona before, where maybe not with Coleman as coach, to be fair, where I think we felt like we matched up pretty well against them, and for whatever reason, we just don't. Um, we don't get lucky against them. I can hear Robin saying, "Yeah, that's because they're cheaters." <laughs> but we don't. But we don't get lucky against them. They do tend to get a dodgy penalty. They do get tend to get the uh, PK handball goal kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. I th- I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be two two. I think Fati and M- Messi are probably going to score their two goals, um, and I figure Paco and somebody will get one for us. Um, maybe Gerard or maybe maybe um, maybe Samu. I just think it's. I just think at this point of the season, a, uh, I, I think it's going to be more open in in the end than we than we'd like it to be. Um, it's interesting, though. I think the fact that that four of us have have none of us have said, "Yeah, we're going to lose," um, kind of tells us where we think Barcelona are. Um, I think the thing that I would feel better about is if we had played better against them last year. We we actually could have won the first match against them. We just didn't play well. They didn't play well either. The second match, we tried to go toe to toe with them, and that was a disastrous plan by Kaleja and. and backfired right away. So if we can put that second match out of our out of our minds, I think we've got a chance to do something. But, you know, I mean, I'll say 2-2. I think um, I'll have the bottle of champagne in the fridge just in case. <laughs> just talking of our uh, Barcelona, what do we think of our new centre-back signing that we've all been begging for? I, I know he's going on loan, um, so I haven't forgotten that. But are we are we happy about that signing, or what do we think? Uh, well, I think it's a good. I think it's a good. Um, it's a good move for the future. I mean, I, I think you have to look at it in terms of 
we think this guy could be send him on loan to the Segunda for a year the way we did Powell at, at Malaga and uh, you know come back in a year um, Albiol's a year older I think that's probably probably good and the money we paid for him doesn't preclude us bringing in a very cheap option as a as a third or fourth center back this year so I'm I'm happy with it and I'm, I'm especially happy given that he's been a Virial fan all his life apparently Yeah, I, I feel I feel very much the same way uh, Alan does. Um, good addition for the future. Small enough fee that it's it's nothing but upside. Um, and you know whatever Barcelona ends up, it, it, I know there's a buyback clause there. I don't know what it is yet. So even if Barcelona ends up using their buyback clause, we'll make some money off of it. Worst case scenario. Um, I, I do think this should leave us enough financial flexibility to get, you know, that 30 year old first team, you know, seasoned veteran center back that can just back up our top two this year. And I'm, I'm really hoping we get that. Uh, but frankly, I, you know, just from a pure site traffic standpoint, I wish we would sign people from Barcelona every single week because their fans are so agitated and so anxious right now that every time anything gets mentioned about them online, that website blows up. So by all means, let's keep shopping at Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, it's even better than shopping at Valencia. <laughs> Rahul, what do you, what, what, you have any reaction? Uh, yeah, so he's a player who I'm not, too familiar with uh, I've not really seen him play but but based on the price and his age and profile I'd say it's a very smart signing to, signing to make um, by the time he comes back from loan uh, Raul Albi will be quite old Pal Torres might even be bought next summer if he continues his fantastic form and to have a ready-made replacement there for less than what two million less than two million um, I think is very smart business if it doesn't work out it's not a big loss. If it does work out and he gets bought back by Barcelona, um, it's probably going to be making a profit. So I like these, I always like these kinds of signings where you sign an unknown kind of youngster and see how he develops. And if he does develop well, then it'll, he'll be looked on in a few years time as excellent business indeed. Right. Robin, anything you, you posed the question, anything else from you? <laughs> Wow, you, you made me sound powerful, Alan. I like that. Yeah, that yeah. The question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah. So I've, uh, I don't, like I said, I, I, like I said, I don't know that much about him either. I'm quite surprised he's gone on loan, considering Chakla. I, I thought maybe Chakla would go on loan and he would come back, but then there's obviously the age thing there. Um, so, but I think I agree. I think it's a good sign of business. He, he's definitely a rated player. I know he got injured towards the end of last season, which can obviously end prematurely. But um, it'd be, be good to see how it goes. I mean, we have had success in Pau Torres, and he he's also was a lifelong VRL fan. So, having him there as well, lifelong fans always work better. I think in the team. Um, I, I don't know if we will sign another centre back now. I, I think in terms of I would like us to as well. But then I think maybe they're going to see Funes Mori and, and Chakla as, as the kind of back, backup options, which I know will be dismayed to what a lot of people think. But I hope, you know, there hasn't really been much rumours and rumblings recently about centre backs. There was talk about Juan Freuth, wasn't there? But 
I think we're going to be priced out of that because a lot of teams seem to be linked with him in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any other rumours. I don't know, Zach, has there been any more rumours or anything? Do we think we're going to sign any more centre-backs uh, now? Um, I haven't seen anything, um, but I have seen there was a rumor this morning about uh, Ontiveros going on loan to Huesca, mm-hmm. which I think would be great for him. And I don't know if you talked about that before I got on here, but I think that would be great for him to get some playing time. But him leaving would free up some salary space if we were going to bring in an inexpensive veteran option. So um, I, I feel like when you're covering – via real transfers it's not as simple as just who they're being linked with it's what kind of uh financial chess is being played in the background that can be opening up gaps to to put somebody else in the squad yeah i think that's i think that's especially true um now but and that's always been true but i think it's especially true now where where we're kind of looking at at what you're at uh between financial fair play and the, and the salary cap and everything you're really in, in the lack of um, some of the money revenue sources that we normally have. Um, by the way, that reminds me, I, know, I don't know if you noticed, but the uh, team shop is now selling official Virial um, masks. So I guess we should all, <laughs> hopefully if we go get them uh, by the time we get them, maybe they'll just become souvenirs in a few months. But um but I thought that was interesting. I'll be honest, I've already bought two of them. Oh, yeah? Are they good? I've been walking around, I've been walking around Yorkshire with the Ariel face masks on, and they're actually really comfy and really nice. I don't okay. know if that's the point of them. They're supposed to protect my life, but I trust in VRL as my football team, so I'll trust in them with my safety as well. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, I recommend getting them. And I'm not saying that because the club have paid me. I generally was quite impressed with them. Oh, excellent. Okay. So I saw them the other day on there, and I was like, oh, I think we'll have to get some of those. Okay. Um all right, so I guess that's about it. Yet again, we have failed to come in in under an hour, although we've come in very close. But I want to thank um, Rahul for joining us, um, a successful maiden voyage, I hope. Um, I want to thank Robin and Zach for, for coming in um, as well. And uh, we'll see how our prediction against Barcelona did, but it's nice to know we're all optimistic. And uh, if Unai Emery listens to this, um, four three three seems to be our seems to be our main goal here, right? So anyway, thank you to all of you, and end of Anverial. Okay, that was.